0: All right, welcome back everyone. Happy Tuesday. Um, I'm very excited for my second episode of an interview episode, and this is actually my aunt, Betty. Um, So she and I have obviously known each other my whole life, but um, I'm very happy to have her on. She's um, gonna share a little bit about her journey and her becoming an entrepreneur and her health journey. And uh, we're just gonna see where the conversation takes us. So yeah, we're just gonna dive right in and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Hey everyone, welcome to Owning Your Authenticity with me, Diana Terry. This podcast is all about breaking down the stereotypes we were raised with to create our real, authentic life. We talk about every kind of relationship, life in business, creating worthy routines, setting boundaries, and leaning into that little voice that says, you are meant for more. If you've checked off all the boxes of what you were supposed to do and you still feel like it's not right or not enough then this podcast is for you. I know that your time is super valuable, so thank you for joining me, and let's get started. Okay, so hi. How are you doing? Hi. I'm doing good. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm excited that we're getting to connect, finally. Me, me too. Um, so why don't you just start by telling all of our listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, kind of just give a little intro to yourself. Okay.
1: Um, let's see. Well, obviously, I'm your aunt. Yes. I am your mother's sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I currently I live in Orange County. I grew up in the valley with the rest of my siblings. I have five. I had five siblings. Four still living. Um, let's see. I work full time for a large uh, defense contractor right now. I also have my side business as an online fitness and health mentoring coach. I have two children, um, and I have two step-by-step. Sons as well, all boys. Mm-hmm. And my eldest is in the military right now, stationed in Germany. And my my youngest um, is still at home with me here and he works. And then my two stepsons, one of them is in college and the other one is in high school. He's a um, what is he now? A sophomore in high school?
0: Yeah. Okay. So he's um, getting to the end of the high school career. That's right. Yeah, that would
1: be the the last one out of the nest. So it be, be interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. So um, basically what I first wanted to start with, because I know a little bit about your history and your story um, in becoming a fitness and health coach. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of wanted to see if you could share a little bit about your process to doing that because you've, you know, you've worked corporate, you were, you're also a veteran. Um, Mm -hmm. So to go from such structured things to being an entrepreneur, like, can you share with us a little bit of like how you got into it? your motivation, like how it kind of came about?
1: Well, I think I've always had a mindset of wanting to do things on my own and and be kind of an entrepreneurial, I've an entrepreneur. Mm i dabbled a little bit here and there in other like MLMs and other opportunities. None of them really resonated with me at a very core, very, very um, centered level. I Mm -hmm. should say they were just um, a business. Right. Uh, Because I've always worked in the corporate world. I don't remember a time in my life except for when I was extremely extremely young where i did not work and i've always worked for someone else so from the earliest age like 14 i I don't think i've I've ever not worked since then and working in in the in the corporate world and before that being in the military and staying in the military um as a reservist after that it doesn't give you a whole lot of flexibility to be you you know and depending on the jobs that you're doing and i and i've always felt like i i needed to do something that was totally for me and fitness has always been there it's always well, you
0: practice. I remember growing up. You always did um, karate, right?
1: Oh yeah, I've been a martial artist from. I think I started when I was seventeen, and that was mm-hmm. a big, huge part of my life before I went into the military. And then, especially afterwards, I really dove into it when I came out of active duty because I really resonated with the discipline mm-hmm. and the mindfulness of that type of, of art form, of that type of exercise. Yeah. So I really dove into that very seriously at that time. You Can know, I I'm, just tell
0: you one of my fondest memories as a kid. <laughs> I want to say, sure. I think you know what I'm going to say. I don't know if you know what I'm going to say, but we were up at, um, your sister's ranch mm-hmm. and I have two female cousins that are similar in age and you were teaching us all self-defense <sighs> on how Gosh, to remember that. break someone's pinky or break mm-hmm. their nose and get Mm -hmm. away. And that is like emblazoned in my brain.
1: (laughs) I remember that we were out in front of the house. Oh my goodness. Uh I had forgotten about that till right now, but yeah, because I used to teach.
0: (laughs) I actually just taught my daughter that the other day, because she got all nervous going back to school. And I was like, she was, I don't know. She started to have these weird fears coming up and I'm not sure where they're from. So I was like, okay. I said, the best way to deal with a fear is to prepare yourself and educate yourself on the thing you're afraid of. Yeah. So I actually taught her the same thing you taught me probably, I don't know, 30 years ago.
1: Oh, gosh, I remember that now. Yeah, because I used <laughs> to teach women self-defense classes. And the, 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 you know, what we used to teach them is I don't need to teach you to fight. I need to teach you to get away. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, I need you get away and you do whatever you need to do to get away. And I remember telling you guys that, and how to do that. And you just inflict enough pain so that they let you go. So you can run like that. Right. Make away. their
0: eyes water. That's but right. Yes, I remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That was, um, that's such a wonderful time. And I, and I really, I, I, I go back to that time in my, my head a lot mm-hmm. where I was, I was working full-time still, but oh, yeah I said that I had two full-time jobs and one of them is my, my job that puts food on the table. And the other one is my job is being a karate student and that was that was who I was and yeah. who I still am. It's you know always, always gonna be that person. And so, you know, at that time in my life is I think when I really started to feel like I could make a difference. I could do something mm-hmm. that was instead of just being an employee right. or just a person that, that goes through their life, is being a martial artist and being able to teach self-defense is when I got my first taste of I can impart something that I know and help someone else's life that impact, you know, maybe even save their life, you know? Right. So I think that's where it started so many years ago. Yeah. Gosh, I'm glad you brought that up. That's so, that's so funny now. I (laughs) I think of that
0: all the time. And like I said, you know, here we are, you know, decades later and I'm teaching my daughter, the same thing that you taught me Yeah. because she's 10 now and you never, and she's stunning. And I'm like, you need to know how to hurt somebody and get away. Yes.
1: (laughs) And get away. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what I do.
0: I don't think I even told her that it was you. I'll have to remind her when they come home tomorrow, like, Hey, by the way, that story I told you was actually told to me. Oh, funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so going from, I mean, so when you say two, I didn't know that you taught self-defense classes. Mm-hmm. So there was always kind of this like teacher help someone improve themselves kind of mode in your mind. And did that start when you started martial arts or was that kind of like something that you felt was always kind of there?
1: I think it was always kind of there, but that is where the garden got watered
0: for mm-hmm. sure.
1: I really got a taste of being in a position of influence. And I think that was the difference is that growing up, especially as, as a girl and being a baby in the sixties and a teenager in the seventies, and even, you know, my young adulthood in the eighties, especially being a woman, you're not offered a tremendous amount of opportunities where you have great influence over other people, right? It's really, you, if you were a special person, then if you had great influence. Because right. those positions just weren't offered to you. So when I became a martial artist, and I became, and I can say that now much better of a student, you know, I'm good for who I was at the time. Yeah. And I got a chance to teach classes. That's when I really got a taste for I'm I'm imparting knowledge on you that actually improves your life, mm-hmm. that actually can save your life, that makes you feel better, stronger, more confident, and I
0: and that's that's kind of where it all started. Yeah, for me, for me. So then. Translating from that to the journey of becoming a fitness and health coach, when did that start? Like, how well,
1: well that's an interesting because that, that is, was more personal for me because I've always had um, a myriad of digestive and health problems. Mm-hmm. And going to the doctor, and, and if anyone has digestive issues, the first thing they tell you is, Oh, you have IBS. And IBS is just a, it, it's a, it is a term, it's a term for we don't know why you have digestive mm-hmm. issues, but we know you have an irritable bowel.
0: That's Same it. thing for me as having fibro. They're like, we, we can't really explain what's wrong with right. you, but don't worry. We've got a word for
1: it. <laughs> we have a word for it, but we don't know what the root cause is. So mm-hmm. I just it's something that I always had to deal with. Yeah. And it, to be a, a little indelicate is, is you know, chronic diarrhea was just my life yep. forever. As long as I remember, I remember we talked about martial arts and I remember going to competition and I wouldn't eat the night before because, because I knew that the moment I woke up in the morning, I would be amped sick. up for competition. Yeah. And I would my body would evacuate everything that yeah. was inside. And it was just kind of a thing. So, you know, I would have to plan everything around that. Well, I what I was still working for the large company that I still work for today. And there was a woman that I worked with that was into fitness and she taught some fitness classes after work. And when we we, we sort of grew grew apart because she left and went to another company and I stayed with the company. And yeah, she touched base with me years later, years later. And this was about three almost four years ago now and she had become a fitness coach and she also was, uh, worked for a company that's the same one that I rep for now Mm -hmm. that has a a couple of products that she remembered my digestive issues that she thought could help me. So I remember telling her, no, that's none of that's going to work for me. I'll do the workouts with you. That'll be really fun, but I don't really
0: want to try any of that.
1: And I didn't really think she could help me because no one has ever really been able to help me.
0: Right, especially to when work you're like, out. oh, I go to doctors and they don't have any answers, like what, you know.
1: Yeah, so I didn't think taking a pill or drinking
0: a drink or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just have to work
1: out a lot, drink a lot of water and just try to overcome it. So she she had me try the product um, and I was very skeptical for the first two weeks. I was still the same old me. And I told her, yeah, yeah you know, I'm just humoring her is what I was doing just so I could get beyond it and tell her no, see, so it didn't work for me. Right. And on and about the third week, I'll never forget the day. Uh, because I had a normal bowel movement right. for the first time in, in in my memory, really. I just mm-hmm. remember, and I remember being concerned <laughs> and concerned. Like, what is that? You know, it just was a feeling that I wasn't. You know, I just didn't I, have those. Yeah. Just and and then I had another one, and then the next day I had another one, and I thought this is maybe there's something to this. And by the end of that month, I, I realized I hadn't had a bout of diarrhea in over ten days, which was never happening. So yeah. I told her, okay, I'm, I'm sold, you know, number one on that product, but what do you do? So then we got together and she told me what she does about helping other women, um, find workouts that they can do and try to customize them for themselves. And I thought, well, this is awesome because I needed help and mm-hmm. you came for me. I want to give this help to someone else. Right. So that's kind of where it started. And, and the company is an MLM. Yeah. And so it gives me the opportunity to do what I do, bring people in with me and if they want to want to help other people too, or they just want to be clients of mine either way works because then I just get to pay it forward. Right. And, and I really didn't even go into it thinking of it as a business. Honestly, it was just, um, as a discount, so I could get my product at a discount and help other people. I never even thought of it at that time that I was going to work the business. Right. And one thing
0: business. I want to, I just popped into my head. So you said that before mm-hmm. competitions for martial arts, you wouldn't eat the night before. Mm -hmm. In order to, so do you think that struggling with IBS or whatever they want to call it for years kind of gave you an unhealthy relationship with nutrition and food?
1: Oh, completely unhealthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. That even happened because I was in a very obese child. I was an obese child and early teenager when I, before, and you had mentioned, I was in the military before I wanted to join the military. I saw the recruiter and they told me I had to lose 40 pounds to even, they didn't want to talk to me until I lost 40 pounds because I had to be within a right. range of the maximum weight. So my horrible diet habit started then because I just decided I went to a doctor and I wasn't going to eat anymore. So I did the whole, whole, <laughs> the whole spiel. Well, you went to the doctor twice a week. They shot, gave me a shot. They gave me pills to take and to drop the weight so that I could join the military. So in my mind, I thought the only way to lose weight was to not eat, right? not eat and work out like that.
0: And it's crazy because like, obviously we've gotten a lot closer in, in my adulthood and things like that. And you're like the one other person in the family. That's like my foodie friend <laughs> like yeah. on that side <laughs> of the family where we're like, Ooh, we love the cheese and we like to mix it with this and like this pairs with this wine. And <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that's very true. So now my relationship food is very different, but it really started out bad that I would eat whatever I wanted to eat because Anything I ate would cause me to have a problem. So it didn't matter if I didn't eat cheese or I didn't eat dairy right. at all, or I didn't eat burgers or fried food. It didn't matter whether I had uh, potatoes and a piece of toast. I had diarrhea anyway. So It didn't matter Yeah. until I figured out what the triggers were. And it didn't come until much later. And I'm saying much later in my life, like five to seven years ago where I really identified what those triggers were because I started to want to know more about nutrition because mm-hmm. I thought if anything that I put in my body now could actually heal my body and help me heal my gut with everything else that I was doing Mm -hmm. And obviously there's something to this whole nutrition thing food really can make a difference yeah and I because I love food so much like Mm -hmm. you said I mean I love to eat and I want to eat whatever I want to eat I have to figure out how to do that and still maintain my health and stay on path with my goals and I think that that's you know that's 180 out
0: from where I was and for me like that that mindset shift I'm also like I'm also trying to avoid this scarcity mindset of like deprivation is the only way to feel good but then if I'm deprived how good do I really feel you know what I mean like there's this balance because I'm going through like a, a diet right now based on my doctor it's like an elimination diet and even mm-hmm. two weeks in and mine is ridiculous it's I don't know if you've ever heard of low FODMAP oh absolutely yeah so I can't have onion garlic avocados, Broccoli. which is literally 90% of my diet is onion, garlic, Tomatoes, and avocados, yeah. everything. Yeah, And then the few things that, and then they're like, okay, you can't have gluten, but you also can't have cauliflower. So all the gluten-free stuff is made out of cauliflower. So I can't have any of that. And, but it's funny because two weeks in it, I mean, like I feel a lot better and then I cheated one day and I'm like, Hmm, that's where it is. And mm-hmm. for me, it's not even just the IBS it's, I have, it, it gives me fibro flares. So yeah. I will eat gluten and wake up and my whole body is on fire. Yeah. Like in pain, it's gnarly. It's crazy. And I'm not even in the full six weeks of, of doing it. Yeah. And I've done it, um, twice I've done elimination Mm diets, where just trying to
1: figure out what those, what are those foods that inflame me. And it's very interesting when you actually stick to it. I didn't, I, I didn't consider doing that plan for that period of time you know, a diet or a deprivation diet, because it was, I'm depriving myself of everything and I'm introducing things one but by one. Tra-
0: Cause you're trying to flatline. I'm trying to so figure it out. See what, the,
1: what exactly. spikes?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I
1: recommend that to any of my clients who are having some serious digestive issues is that you really need to figure out what it is because it's yeah. not enough to, to say, Oh, I'm gluten free or I'm gluten intolerant or I'm intolerant to dairy because I know that there are some dairy that bothers me, but some doesn't. Bother
0: well, that's like Amanda, my fiance, she is she is lactose intolerant yet the woman can eat sour cream. Yeah. Something in the way that sour cream is made does not bother her. But if she eats even one accidentally eats one slice of cheese or something like that was snuck in somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is, uh, can we can't be out in public. She's in severe pain. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. And that's the thing too, is that that's also why it's like diets or, or ways like, they're not one size fits all. I mean, I can understand. I got tested for celiac and I am not celiac. Mm -hmm. So I am not allergic to gluten. However, gluten does not work well with me. Yeah. So, you know, there's that it's, it's all personalized.
1: And you'll get to a certain point where you can, you know, you get to your baseline, you get to a normalization where you can try to experiment with different things that have gluten in them. Yeah. So trying the FODMAP diet is really trying to find out where your inflammation lies. Mm-hmm. But even when you say you're gluten intolerant, you might be able to have sourdough toast.
0: I was going to say, I know people that like- make homemade sourdough bread, but have celiac disease and it does not bother them because exactly. the way that it's made or, mm-hmm. or the quality of the ingredients that they're using, mm-hmm. you know, things like that.
1: And I tell, tell people that all the time, cause I'm also pursuing my nutrition certification so that I can actually come from a place of knowledge and not just, you know, I've always done my own research and educated myself. Right. And there's a lot of. There's a lot of stuff out there that is just really uh, just a little wacko and it's hard to do research
0: because anybody can, I can post, I can make a website in 30 minutes and post whatever I want. And if someone finds it, they may think it's factual information when I have no basis for that. So, you know, I I get that, but I didn't, so you're pursuing uh, as as a nutritionist from the NASM organization.
1: So I actually need to finish that by, by the end of November. And interesting, I started it uh, right before the fire we hadn't talked to that but you know my house oh, yeah. went down in December and so I have a year to complete it. So I've kind of been distracted with other things so I realized well, I know, need to yeah. focus in on that time and get that done so I can have that certification. but there's so many things that you learn when you go through a, a course like that. And now I have uh, reference resources that are legitimate and they That's are peer awesome. review. they're peer reviewed. Right. they are you no know, it's not just someone putting something like you said on a website. Right. Or, worst yet, just posting to social media because, anymore, if you post it to Facebook, it must be true. Right. <laughs> Nobody do- goes, you know, and, and going to a doctor and getting confirmation is is there's bias in there because that's a doctor. I want to go to reputable sources who, who exist only for this type of information. Right. And so, getting a certification kind of gives me all those resources. So, it's really good. So, I learned so much about that. And I tell clients all the time that unless you have a bona fide medical allergy, like Mm -hmm. celiac disease, yeah, to just to say I'm gluten intolerant, I don't think it's it's not good enough. And it's not doing you any favors, you need to figure it out. Because if you don't have celiac disease, it's not just gluten intolerance, there could be some, there could just be particular elements in the food that you're eating that happen to contain gluten. So you Mm -hmm. are, are putting them in that bucket. So that becomes more fascinating. to me. So I'm kind of digging into that, which is just really interesting. But that, that feeds me is to, to learn more, to, to know that I'm, you know, I'm kind of strengthening that library that I have in my brain of, of facts.
0: Yeah. Information to help other people. Well, that's awesome. I love that you're taking that. Cause we, I mean, I'm not college educated. Um, and I talk so much about the difference between being educated, Like this difference between like formal education and self-education. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often find that the people that I, have the best conversations with or I find in the world that are giving the biggest impact don't necessarily have that piece of paper right. from a university, but they've done the work on themselves that their impact they're so in line with what their their goals are or their, mm-hmm. you know, what their I was actually just reading Jay Shetty. Um have you yeah. read his book?
1: Oh yeah a couple.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I'm at the part where he's talking about your Dharma. And it's mm-hmm. where you find your passion and then mm-hmm. using your passion for the service of others. And when those two things connect, it really forms your dharma. And I literally just read that today after two hour coffee date with my best friend who I haven't seen in months. And mm-hmm. so it's like, it's just so funny. We were talking about literally that exact thing. And that's kind of how I feel when, when I think about you and, and mm-hmm. seeing the work that you do, especially like, you know, posting online and like, for instance, you, you, um, you posted that video of you dancing and you're like, Oh, I got, <laughs> I got feedback where people are like, Oh, you're too old to be dancing or you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be online yeah. doing this. And you're like, mm, I do it because I want to.
1: <laughs> yeah. Watch me. Let me do it again. Yeah. It's interesting because when you, when you have to run a business and social media is such a big part of that yeah. there, even if you don't have a huge following, it's, it's amazing how many people that don't follow you that you've never seen before that feel like they need to comment negatively on something that you post it's just
0: astounding to me ironically it was so funny because I posted one reel on the Instagram for this and it was the first reel where I you know mentioned being gay or coming out and I got like it's the highest engagement I've ever had of trolls of like your ex-husband should sue you and take your kids so you don't poison the next generation (laughs) and before I even went to go look like to comment there were other people coming up defending me and I just started laughing and I was like what the really funny part is that he, this guy thinks that he's hurting me I'm like you just boosted my visibility yeah thank you <laughs> thank, thank you, you. For the, uh, <laughs> playing into the algorithm and spreading exactly. awareness for my reel that now tripled in views because you decided to comment six years, the little vomit <laughs> very, <emoji. laughs>
1: I know very true just,
0: <laughs> and I just find those
1: it's they don't even know you no. they don't I, I don't they feel like the need to it just fills them up, I guess, with all that blackness that's inside them. I don't know. It's just uh, it, it's bizarre. But that has been an education being on social media about um, and also about what's real, what's true. Yeah. You know, what's real and what's true and what's valid on social media. But and those are not my people. You know, you hear right. that often. Is they're, they're just not my people. They're not my crew. They're not my tribe. They're not my whatever picks yeah. the common vernacular for that is they're not. They wouldn't get in my car. It's like the Brene
0: Brown quote where you're like, if you're not in the arena, then your voice doesn't hold weight.
1: Right. If you're not in the arena fighting the fight with me, you don't. I, I don't even want to need to listen to your comments about Absolutely. how I'm fighting in the arena. You can just keep your comments to yourself. Seriously. At least, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's why I just, I thought I'm just going to dance again. It was someone's comment and it was someone actually that I knew. And it wasn't a, I know that, I don't think that they were intending to to, you know, <laughs> to insult me. But it's, aren't, don't you feel intimidated, you know, being as old as you are dancing? I am like, no. you know, in the beginning, I did feel intimidated because I don't don't like people taking pictures of me. I didn't. And then I saw a quote once that you're going to die soon. Take all the pictures, be all in the all pictures. the posts because yeah. soon is all relative. Mm-hmm. You know, you could die tomorrow. I could die in 30 years, but I am going to die soon in relation to future grandchildren or something. And totally. They're not going to have any videos of you. Yeah. So get over yourself and, and be in the pictures. So just go for it.
0: I love that. I love that. I'm and I I take and obviously like I'm from a generation where selfies are a thing. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I not that I mean when we first started getting to the age where you would go out to a bar, you had to like bring the little digital camera with you because yeah, <laughs> our purses were all bigger because we had to hold all the crap. <laughs> but um yeah, I'm very much and like I. I, with my kids, even on the days that I don't feel good, or I'm like, I'm growing out my hair right now. And I just feel like a fluffy stuffed animal (laughs) until I'm like six months from now where I can put it in a ponytail without all the clips. Um, but I still take all the pictures because I'm like, I don't have, I, to be completely honest, I have very few pictures from my childhood and neither does my mother. Like they, they don't exist. No, they don't exist. And we've, you know, me and my siblings get a
1: chance to talk about that every once in a while. We just didn't You know, our our parents weren't uh you know, it wasn't important for them to record (laughs) record life as we were growing up. So I have, you know, a couple of pictures. I mean, seriously, just a couple. I could hold them all in one hand of my pictures before I was of the age of twenty one. Probably twenty. So it's just amazing. So I don't want my kids to suffer that. I you know, I and when you're gone, you're gone. And in another hundred years, no one is gonna know who I am. Yeah. You think about that, unless it's it's Memorialized in a photograph, and, and my child and my child's child has has them left on a molecular copy of it somewhere.
0: Well, and it's funny yeah. because I remember, I mean, it was a little while ago. I don't listen to the podcast anymore, but um, when I was going through a bunch of like a purging phase, I was listening to the minimalist podcast, mm-hmm. and he was talking about and they live like a full minimalist life. He wears the same. He has five of black shirts, five pairs of pants, they're all exactly the same. So he takes out to the point where he's like, I don't ever have to decide what to wear because I wear the same thing no matter where I go. I, so I save 20 seconds a day deciding what to, whatever, but he talks about, he was going through, they were doing like this 30 day purge where every day you got rid of something, whatever. And mm-hmm. someone asked him on the podcast, like, what do you do with photos? Like I have hundreds and hundreds of photos. And he's like, well, here's the thing. You're not actually attached to the photo. The physical photo is not what it is. A photo is a tool that activates a memory in our brain. Cause we don't take photos for no reason, Like we don't take Well, maybe now people do, but you know, photos Mm -hmm. are, are a tool, a, a trigger to activate a pot, like a memory. And the memory is what we're really attached to. It's not the printed photo, Mm -hmm. you know? So, but it's funny because it's like, do we don't necessarily need the photo, but if they help us in our, as we get older, as we start to forget things, like we see that photo and that triggers that memory, that's the real value of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know exactly. I mean, that's why I started scanning all
1: of my old photos that I don't have in electronic format. Um, they're for me. So if I ever have Alzheimer's and forget who I am, I can go through the photos and yeah. remind myself. <laughs> but it's also for my kids and my kids' kids, just to have something that links them to their past. That's all. Yeah. to links them because I have no illusions. In another hundred or two hundred years, even the, my memories of, in my grandchild, grandchildren, great grandchildren are going to be gone. Yeah. So unless you are, you have a statue erected to you right. in some park somewhere that's gone right. and, it's, and it doesn't even need to be remembered anymore life has just moved on without it yeah. and that's okay with me but for my kids and my kids kids I was really you know so I, I make that a point be in the pictures because yeah those are the things that they're going to need once I'm gone they're going to miss
0: you, do you find that so you mentioned your your house caught fire back in what December 3rd of last year ish yep yeah. right before Christmas, before Christmas. Um, by the way, I still have your Christmas present from last year.
1: <laughs> oh, and I'm looking right. I have yours and those girls or <laughs> on um, your, the kids. I have Grayson and Addie's over there and yours and Amanda's are in that box. I'm looking yeah. at it going, why haven't
0: I put it <laughs> in the mailbox? <laughs> um, but do you find that in suffering a loss of your home? Cause that's, I mean, I don't ever remember. That's the only home I ever remember you living in. I, obviously you've lived uh-huh. in other places, but you were in that home for a very long time. Like, okay. do you find that suffering that kind of loss has changed your mindset around things like preserving those memories and those photos. Oh, sure. And preserving what's important. The photos, I had started scanning them about a year
1: before the fire. So I I lost some of them and they had already been scanned. So I'm, you know, definitely a proponent of get a cloud service that automatically backs up your computers in your house, because even the backup file that's in a hard disk could be destroyed in the fire as I experienced. So even your backup, if it's in a hard, solid state, it's gonna be gone. Yeah. So, and scan your photographs in. Scan everything in that's important to you. Every certificate that you want to keep, that you want to preserve, scan them. But I think the bigger lesson for me, the more valuable thing that I took away, is all of the shit I didn't really need. Why did you know? I you, you know, when you have a fire and you have things that are left behind, even though they're a total loss, is one of the process uh, pieces that they that you that you have to go through is that they take a photo of everything that can be photographed in the house after a fire yeah and you realize how much crap you had that was weighing you down right and you didn't really need I didn't it's embarrassing to think of how many how many tank tops did I really need you know right. I have 50 holy crap that just seems so <laughs> Why leave, you know, why it doesn't other, seem
0: excessive when it's in your closet, but when you're going through it on an insurance report, oh my like, word, why?
1: Wow, why? It? And you know, the other thing is the things that I know that were a total loss that I have to remember that I have where there's just no evidence they ever existed other than a pile of ash. That's the worst part. But we had just went through things in the garage with my kids the year before. Kyle was home, Noel was home. We went through things. Do you, and I had boxes and boxes of everything that I kept for the, of, of theirs. Right. And they didn't want any of it. None of it. They're like, mom, why do I want my baby bedding? That's just weird. That's gross. Get rid of it. I
0: don't save. I save very little things simply because the same thing, like we grew up. Okay. So my mom saved our school desk from being homeschooled Mm -hmm. for 30 years. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie, that desk is more associated with trauma than it is a good memory. <laughs> so I had it in the house for like 30 days and I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs>
1: no, I'm good. I'm getting rid of it. I'm
0: good. I don't and so yeah. I save very little. Like I save, I, I think I have my kids are 10 and 8. And I save the things that we like have memories over. So it's like Maddie entered an art contest and I saved that. And mm-hmm. I don't save their homework. Like my mom saved I had homework. I mean, too. like. Homework from first grade. Homework, stories, all the grade reports, which I can get online
1: now, by the way, even back when my kids were. Well,
0: I mean, obviously, yeah, we have a different mentality where we we can access things online. I get that. But I don't, I say very little because I'm like, I don't, they're going to grow up and be like, why the hell? You know what? The one thing, the one thing that I have is my stuffed animals from a childhood. And I have this weird attachment to them. And Amanda's like, what is wrong with you? You're 36 years old. There are three trash bags of stuffed animals that you have never opened in the three years we've been yep. together. And I was like, yeah, but they're there.
1: <laughs> yeah. But those are the things that, that, that you, that, that, that trigger something in you that you want to, you, you love seeing them again when you see them. But there's yeah. very few of that stuff. If you think of the the mountains of stuff mm-hmm. that people have, and I had yeah. mountains of things in my garage. And after going through that exercise with the boys, I realized that I, I wasn't keeping it for me. I never took it down and looked at that stuff. I always thought that they would want it. And they're like, no, mom, we don't want any of that. So they picked a couple of things and I pulled some of like maybe their artwork things that I really wanted to keep and maybe frame and I thought would be kind of cool in the house. Mm -hmm. But everything else went away. Everything went away. And there was mountains of stuff that I had. And I just realized all that stuff kind of weighs you down. I remember and clutter really bothers me. And so when my when my house gets out of control like that, it really increases my stress level. Right. So if the fire gave me Anything it's it's understanding what's really important and what really is not important. Yeah. And and there's a difference between you know I'm not going to stress about that's not important I like it but it's not that important when it comes to compared to our health and safety. Yeah. But then there are other things that are truly just the the baggage of life that you need to get rid of and it was it's kind of liberating knowing that I'm starting from zero. Yeah. And then I you know I'm building these things and I'm. You can be very intentional about the things that
0: you bring back into the home when it's done, when it's rebuilt, like you can just choose, be like, I don't need 50 tank tops. I need, I need 10. Right. I don't exactly. And the space and like, and not only that, but the emotional space that you're given, I was just talking to my best friend at coffee today. I was like, you know, when we, we were talking about anxiety and stress and, and, you know, keeping relationships that we are toxic to us. And I was like, It's very hard to see in that moment, but in the hindsight of releasing something that's not good for you, Mm -hmm. you can't even comprehend the amount of mental and emotional freedom that you get when you remove things that from your life that you thought you were so attached to. Like there's, there's just all this extra space that you can choose to fill with memories or love or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And you don't know it. You don't know how much it's taking up until you get rid of it.
1: It's so true. It is so true. And I don't think I would have been able to do it, obviously not to this extent without the fire, but it, it just really reminds you of what's, what's truly important. What real, really, you know, you know, get your wheel spinning. Yeah. And then all that crap is not what it is. It's not where it is.
0: Yeah. Well, I have, um, one more question. Well, I have two, but I know that you're on a time limit. Um, but so I asked this in my first interview question, and and I started just asking all my friends this question because I love it, and it came from reading Jay Shetty, and he talks about identity, and oh yeah, you know okay. I know you listened <laughs> to the episode, so you know what I'm gonna ask. You. I am. An, it's, it's, it's the concept of who is your like, what do you identify yourself as when you are not who you are for someone else? When you're not mom, when you're not an employee, when you're not a boss, or whatever cool. it is. That
1: was, when I listened to the interview, I remember almost pulled over. I thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> You'd think that would be an easy question, but everything that came out of my mouth initially was, oh, mom, wife, sister, right. worker, you know. But what am I when I'm not, you know. There is a quote in the book, and I, and I know you've read the book a couple of times, and, and I immediately thought of this quote as soon as you, as soon as you asked her that question. Mm-hmm. It said, I am not what I think I am. I'm not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am.
0: Yes. And that's
1: how we identify. Oh,
0: when I read you know, that, I had to stop and read it like six times. And yeah. then I had to say it out loud and like, yes.
1: It's amazing because that is how we go through our lives. Mm-hmm. That's the identity we hold. It's not necessarily what you think. It's what I think you think of me. Right. And it's, it's really not who we really are. So It's like
0: walking around looking at reflections of, of assumptions. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So this is very powerful. It stuck with me. I mean, I think about it very often. You know, when mm-hmm. I'm trying, when I'm behaving a certain way, I kind of question, why am I behaving that way? That it's really- Not me, right? But if I had to describe myself, I gosh, even even after thinking about it, it's really hard question to answer. But (laughs) I know I am a learner. Oh, I could. I get lost in the the. I get lost in the learning. I get lost in the training all the time, regardless of what it is. I could dive into self help books and live there because I just love learning new things. And I feel like everything that I learn makes me a, a better, fuller person, and better able to be those other people that I am.
0: Do you ever find that you get stuck in learning and, and don't move forward to doing, because this is where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. I am, and I'm, I'm developing this, this four week test for myself that I'm going to put myself through where I stop consuming, consuming, consuming. And I start like going internal and doing the work. Cause I've been reading self-help books for years. And mm-hmm. I just, uh, this literally the second I put one down, there's six more at my house. I, I don't play. have to go anywhere and I will open the next one up and just go yep. straight into it. So do you exactly. ever find that you get stuck in learning and 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 maybe don't take that step towards doing?
1: Always, really? always. I, I've told people for years that I get lost in the
0: learning all the time
1: mm-hmm. because that's my happy place. I like it there. I I I get tripped up on the execution, which yeah. is such an odd thing for a person like me because I've been very successful in my career. Um, yeah. I'm. I am. Other people see me as the person that gets things done. Mm-hmm. I am the one that that finally the project plan and executes the project plan and I'm the one that creates the schedule and I'm the one that does all of those things that make projects move forward
0: but you're also doing all those things for other people
1: for other people so it's interesting that I don't have the same discipline when I'm doing it
0: for myself yes
1: and I'm still trying to figure out why that is and it could yeah. be those that those limiting beliefs of of you you can't and I posted about that actually on my Instagram page this morning. I saw that but I've been told I can't so many times and I just do it and you can't be an online fitness coach because you're, you know, I'm 58 this year. You know, that's, nobody wants to hear from a 58 year old. And I'm thinking, no, 58 year olds want to hear from me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even a, a, I would say a 30 year old, you know, is yeah. still going to get good information from me. But absolutely, the reason why one, in, one of my biggest whys, other than just the, the freedom that comes with being a, a, you know, a self-made person and owning my own business and that being supportive, it gives me freedom choices and travel and time and schedule and all those things are up to me. And I really crave that freedom, but I realized that that my demographic needs help more than I think any other, because we are convinced that nothing is going to help us and nothing's going to work because we have a lifetime of evidence saying that doesn't matter what I do. Like mine, like, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm always going to have these, these digestive issues. Right. I was convinced. Because I have a lifetime of evidence, I have more right. evidence than you that oh, yeah. I'm right. So I have it's still even people that are close to me that I know that are on the, they're on that obesity scale, right They're or they have hypertension, and they take drugs for high blood sugar, and, you mm-hmm. know, type two diabetes, and all the things that we are, we have to bump into after the age of 15 and into 60 that become very chronic. Yes so it's very, we're the most hardest, we're the hardest crack because they're convinced that that if I just take this pill, there's nothing you can do to help me. i just old. And that's just a lie. That's a lie that the industry that creates the medications is telling you, right? that in, you should only be taking medication when you have absolutely 100% exhausted everything you can do for yourself. Right? So and I'm telling you that there's, there's so many things you can do for yourself. And it isn't deprivation, it isn't working out. It, it's not the eat less, move more. That's just that's a lie that we've been told right.
0: from television of health. It is. Yeah. You know, you, know, you don't
1: you can't look to the RDA for answers because that's all sponsored by big money and big corporations. You really yeah. have to, you really have to, there's so much good information out there. So that's kind of w- one of the major whys it drives.
0: Well, and I think what's cool to note about because I've also obviously followed you throughout starting your whole health fitness coach career and everything, is that I feel like you really started out really with the idea of mindset coaching people, mm-hmm. not even about the health. You're like, do whatever plan you work. Do If you sit in child's pose for a half hour, at least you're doing it. Like it was never about that. You need to follow this plan. You need to do this exact mm-hmm. thing. You started out always with the conversation of mindset and let's help you get in the right mindset. And now four years in, you're going for the nutrition education and things mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's really something to notice because there, there must've been something at some point that helped you shift your mindset. And then yes. that's the conversation that you've always started on your social media. In even conversations with me, it's always been mindset over just addressing the food you eat, or the workout you choose, or the water you drink. It was always the right. mindset.
1: Yeah, I think that you have to do the work inside before anything that you do on the outside is going to stick. Yeah, because otherwise you just slip back in. You know, yeah. it's in in like Mel Robbins talks a lot about habits. I think every self help boo talks about habits. Yes. Is that, it has to be a habit and self-care has to be a habit. Your mindset has to be a habit because if it's not a habit, then you, you wake up every day and you have to convince yourself that these things are true right.
0: Habits instead of way knowing you need to choose, right? If it's I, a habit, then you don't have to choose to meditate every day. You don't have to choose to eat healthy. If it's a habit, then you just do it. And then your mind has more freedom. Because mm-hmm. it's not constantly making choices.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And where your health and fitness is concerned, I think that's even paramount because you have to wake up, with the thought that I control this day, Yeah. You know, I it, what I do for my health and fitness is is it's, a, it's up to me. It's totally. not up to my doctors and it's not up to anyone who's telling me what to do. And it isn't up to me as a coach to tell them, it's up to them to do it. I cannot promise them results. I can only promise them. I will give them all the information that I have, that I will be in their car for the entire journey until we're pushing up daisies. That's the only <laughs> thing I can promise them. Yeah. But I can't promise them results because that has to come from within them and it starts in their mind. starts in their soul really is what do you truly believe you are worthy of what you truly believe yeah um, you can be successful
0: and the more you can break down those limiting beliefs and that self-sabotage and that imposter syndrome the more room you have internally for growth and and possibility and Mm -hmm. you know imagining the future and dreaming bigger and things like that
1: and as an entrepreneur that's that's even truer as an entrepreneur because having worked for for in the corporate world and in the for the the government and for in mm-hmm. the military, my whole entire life. Now realizing that that doesn't give me the freedom that I'm so craving right. at this stage of my life. It doesn't give me that. I'm just the cog in a wheel. Even when I do a good job, I'm still just a cog in a wheel. And I think that's when I took that it totally pivoted my thoughts about what am I going to do? You know, I thought I'd never really going to retire because I really love working and doing, mm-hmm. but you know, in later in my career, quite recently, you know, from today looking backwards, is I've, I realized because of things that happened with the programs that I was working with in the company that I was that I was that I am still working for that I was reminded in a very large way that I am just just a cog.
0: We're all irreplaceable when we work for someone else,
1: right? And, I mean, everything,
0: unless your name's on the building or your name's on the business. And even then, and even, and even then, yeah, even but, then. I mean, and, you know, you're all, irreplaceable. And I, I mean, I spent 20 years in the restaurant industry and I'm like, these servers would quit. And I'm like, cool. I have 20 more applications waiting for your job. It's fine. Like go do, Right. I always told my staff, I'm like, please go do the thing. Please get out. Yeah, please, please go. You want to go, try, go get run. Give me your notice. Mm-hmm. Quit tomorrow. I don't care. Cause I don't want you stuck yeah. in something that you don't like go do the thing. Cause I can replace you.
1: And I love my job and I've always loved everything I've done. And I'm very proud of my career and I'm proud of all of the work that I've done in every program that I've worked for. I've always had a really strong sense of, of loyalty to that job and, and the greater good that I was doing in that, those positions. And it wasn't until one of the programs that I was working on came to an abrupt end. Mm-hmm. Like one day you have a position and the next day you're told you need to find another position. And everything that was my trajectory in the company completely took a hit and on that day. I'll never forget the day right. because I had my my exit interview where we were all out looking for other positions. And I I couldn't, it was promotion time and it was raise time, that sort of thing. I couldn't get what was coming to me, which was I things that I was expecting because the program ended. Right. And we can't promote someone who's on a failing program, that sort of thing. And I realized at that moment when I left that meeting that that i You're kind truly kind of like at am. the mercy totally totally that, that's when i thought i could work and i had been at that point working you know 60 70 hour weeks mm-hmm. trying to 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 do the right thing for a year and sacrifice i was away from my family for four weeks at a time i know traveling. you never
0: got to well even like uh, you know the family gatherings you didn't get to come to half of them because your job right. was always so demanding
1: exactly and so then i realized all of that meant zero because the company had another priority.
0: Right. They so it didn't and matter everything. And you were kind of just left holding the buck. Like, okay, well, what about me? Right. And and
1: I hadn't felt that in, in, you know, uh, 20, 24, 25 years working for the company. I'd never felt that before. Right. I'd always really felt like my things happened and that my trajectory changed. And I always got the better job and I got the promotion. And I got the, all the good things happen. Right. Um, but that, it was at that moment that I realized that I, I really need to take care of me and I really need to do something to feed my soul because in the end of the day, it doesn't matter how long I've worked for this company or how all the good work I've done, it could all end tomorrow and it's not up to Were,
0: you, were you already um, taking like the products and had had that shift with feeling better when this happened or was this before you got introduced to the, the fitness coaching. And, and This
1: was ironically all about the same time. It was all within that same So thing, it's almost period. like things
0: kind of like maneuvered and then you were like, hey, there's this opportunity of something that has already physically helped me, but there's also mm-hmm. it, a business opportunity. And did that, yes. so that shift at your corporate job kind of opened your eyes to the possibility that yes. maybe this other thing was here for a reason kind of thing?
1: Yeah, that's when that's when I really looked at the business opportunity and thought, well, can I do this to can I do this well enough to replace my current income? Mm-hmm. You know, can I even get better at that? So I've been working toward that end, realizing that this job could end at any day. And, and you know, I put a pin right. in the calendar of the date I was going to retire and then the fire happened. So that date has been moved to the right just a bit. <laughs> but, but I'm also want to pay that that opportunity forward to other women because, because we need you. We, mm-hmm. meaning the whole of society, need you. If you're interested in... in in health and fitness, if you're on your own journey, there's a thousand other women that need to hear from you. because Mm -hmm. They're just like you and they need to know what's possible. And they don't find out what's possible from an ad in a newspaper or something on the radio or from some corporate advertisement. They can only see what's possible. if somebody like them. They find it. Yeah.
0: They find it by connecting to someone else's story. Yes. Someone else's brand. Yeah. I mean, we always talk, I always talk about branding and I was telling um, my fiance the other day, I was like, branding is not your logo or your colors or your colors or your fonts or whatever. It's the way people feel when they interact with your brand.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um,
0: And, and I mean, that's the same case. I mean, we, I mean, we've built you a website and you have branding and you Mm -hmm. have a color scheme and everything, but it's the way that you motivate people to show up. That's your branding, you know? Yes.
1: And, and, that, and that's the thing that makes me feel
0: good. It's the thing that would get me up in the day. You
1: know, getting up to do my job is one thing. I do that out of discipline and loyalty. And that's what I'm supposed to do. And I, that's what I do. I do what mm-hmm. I'm supposed to do. Uh, but the thing that gets me charged up is that, is the health and fitness training and helping other women feel the same way that I do and realize that this isn't all there is. And you don't have to settle for, for you know, feeling like shit every day to put too fine a point on it. Yeah. And, you, you know, you wake up and you feel crappy and yeah. most people my age just think oh it's just because I'm old well yes I have arthritis I have aches and pain I've got a lot of things going on but I know that a lot of that can be minim- minimized right. by my behaviors and how I take care of me and I know that that's not all there is I mean I had a had a, a last year my blood sugar was high and oh I remember and I thought I was doing everything okay and I realized that I have some you know it's insulin sensitivity I have or insulin intolerance. And so I dove into studying what does that mean? Because how can I be eating, eating right to everything that I know? Right. And I still have high blood sugar. What is that from my pancreas is still creating insulin, so what's the problem? And so then I started doing research into what really does cause insulin sensitivity and um, uh, or I- insensitivity, rather, and mm. type 2 diabetes. And why is that on the rise? And, and so I kind of had to heal myself of that. And I figured out all the things that I was doing that was making that an issue. And now for the last several months, I, you know, I prick my finger a couple of times a day and my blood sugar is totally managed. So I know so many people that have that problem and they just go to the doctor and they get a pill and it actually makes the problem worse. Oh, and yeah. I want to, and then
0: you've got side effects and other things to treat. And yeah, sure.
1: well, so and then I little think one like the that of the things do wanna...
0: with, with what you do with health and fitness is to remember is that our, our bodies are constantly changing and adjusting to the things we're doing too. So when you talk about, oh, people are in the fifties thinking, oh, this is the way it is, but your body's changing. Yes. Yeah. Especially for women, because then, then we go, then there's menopause and there's all these other things. And so your body will forever change. So you can always benefit from having a coach to help you through that next version of you. Yes. Yeah.
1: Always. You know, it's always, it's a lot easier on a long journey when
0: you've got somebody else in the car with you. Yeah.
1: You know, and I got lots of room in my car. So everybody get in my car. If you're my people get in my car and we'll all do it together because I'm always on the journey.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: things are things do not stay the same ever. Ever. Especially with our bodies and in, in our lives they just don't stay the same. So you're constantly having to figure out what's going to work for you. And I don't and that doesn't mean that you're always on a diet. I hate that word because diet really is defined as manner of living. It's my diet is full of nutrient foods, limiting Processed foods, it's low sugar. That's my that's my diet. Right. But it isn't a diet. It is right. my diet. But this afternoon we're going to Hamburger and I'm gonna enjoy my book.
0: Okay. I need to come down because I started following them on Instagram after you posted them. <laughs> and now all I want is that burger.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to they're in Anaheim today and they're there until five o'clock. So we're gonna go have a hamburger. And so you definitely need to come down because I love it. I was like,
0: stuff. how far is Anaheim? <laughs>
1: It is actually, and I didn't even know this at the time, it, it is owned or the truck is owned by, hopefully I don't get this wrong, the nephew of Lacey, my sister-in-law's yes. husband. Oh, so really? I didn't even know that we, we were eating the burger and then I'm scrolling on Instagram and I see his post and he come out and support my nephew's
0: truck. Oh, oh, my God, oh small so world.
1: Funny. Yeah, small world. So you, get, you so definitely funny. have to do it. So this is a plug for Hammer Burger. Yes,
0: <laughs> Look him up well, on
1: Instagram. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, okay. So just also for anyone listening, if anybody's sitting here going like, okay, I really connected with her story. I would love to find out more about her coaching fitness. Like where can people find you in the social world?
1: Uh, it's at Betty Jewel Strobley. I can find me on Instagram. Um, I also, I have a Facebook page with the same name, or they can email me at uh, Betty Strobley at gmail.com.
0: And I'll put all that in the show notes for anybody. Okay. So if they want, they can click through and, and get in touch with you. They can also visit your website and kind of know a little bit about your your history and your yep. products and stuff like that yep. well i love you and i thank love you for too. coming on and <laughs> we actually need to see each other soon <laughs> give us yes yeah, so we
1: definitely need to do this and- <laughs> i'm oh, no kidding it's just it's just i'm, I'm sorry I'm very embarrassed now i'm looking at them oh my i wonder if the the kids have outgrown the gifts i bought them yeah I, I
0: mean we, pa- <laughs> we packed to move and i'm like i'm moving this thing again because have <laughs> twice with it
1: like, oh. I have no excuse I really have no excuse
0: I no, have neither to do it we only live <laughs> like two hours away from each other it's really I
1: different. know I am so happy that you asked me I was very intimidated to come on I'm not really I know comfortable you were, all talking about myself but but I support you and I love you and I love your podcast you know I, I just think uh your the topics are so relevant to to everyone that I know pretty much so I I appreciate that you thought of me about interviewing, so I'm very grateful for you. Thank oh, of you. Of
0: course, thank you for coming on. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with my aunt Betty as much as I did. Um, I really love that we were able to dive into some sensitive topics that I feel like a lot of my listeners are going to connect with. So. I will put in the show notes where you can contact her if you're curious about her fitness coaching or anything like that or the product she uses. Um, I'll put her website and her Instagram handle and everything in the show notes. And of course, as always, if you connected and loved this episode, please screenshot it, share on social, tag us at Owning Your Authenticity. Um, and then if you or anyone you know has someone that would like to be on the podcast or questions or things you'd love us to discuss, please shoot me an email or send me a DM, whichever works best for you. And I just hope you have a great rest of your week and we will see you next Tuesday.